Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. Today's guest is going to talk about her unique approach to creating a physical space that really was to support a digital community that she had grown. And she knew there was demand, local demand, for physical space to support the types of events that she was hosting. So she had a digital community focused on empowering women. Her space is called her power space in Broward County, Florida, outside of uh, Fort Lauderdale. And her physical network wanted space to host events, pop-up shops, workshops, um, family celebrations, you name it. They needed easy on-demand space that was a fit for the things that they wanted to accomplish uh, outside of work or related to work. And she wanted a podcast space. She had some dedicated space and drop-in space for people to kind of work on their businesses or their side hustles uh, throughout the week and on the weekend. Well, Michelle opened on January 20th, sorry, January 12th, 2020, and closed her doors uh, in at the end of March 2020. So she's really spent the last couple of years, you know, getting through COVID and trying to build what she had envisioned before she opened. And I met Michelle, we worked closely together. She was part of our flight group and our community manager group, and we did some one-on-one work. And I love her persistence. I love what she's creating, which is unique to her community. She really, really was in touch with what her community needed, even though it didn't look exactly like the co-working spaces that um, others were creating. I also think she is a really, really talented marketer. She's really strong in email marketing and creating relationships through email, being authentic, telling stories, connecting. So if you want to um, sneak into her email list, you should do that. She's a great model for what it looks like to um, build relationships over time and pull people you know, into the offers that she has. And she has some pretty interesting digital offers that she integrates into the space, in particular, a program called the Unchamber, which I think you'll find really interesting. So I won't give away, I'll do all the spoiler uh, before we get started. Let's just dive into our conversation with Michelle. Welcome. I have a special guest today. All my guests are special, but Michelle Talbert is founder and chief visionary officer of Her Power Space near Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Michelle, I can't remember exactly when we met, but it is always such a treat to talk to you. And I also have to tell you that whenever I think of your name, I think of the Beatles song. Does this happen to other people? It should. That's who I'm named after. Is it? I really (laughs) am not of the Beatles era. And I don't have any, actually, I just Googled it to see like, what are the lyrics of this song? Part of it's in French, which 
I didn't even know. And so I know many Michelles and none of them invoke that song. So that is just you that does that to me. So did her job. Kudos, mom. (laughs) Totally. Um, Yes, I love it. Wait, speaking of, I also was looking at your LinkedIn and did we ever talk about the fact that you went to Cornell? Probably not. I don't know because- Weird. With all the stuff that we always have to talk about. I know. That's That's what I thought. I was like, how funny is it that we just get right into all the other things? You so I went to Ithaca College for undergrad. Nice, right up across the hill. hill. The school yeah. people don't know about because Cornell's like Ivy League and Ithaca is like a regular school. Yeah, um, I spent all my summers in Ithaca because I didn't want to go back it's home. Gorgeous. It's so beautiful. Ithaca it's gorgeous. gorgeous. Exactly. Okay, so I have to tell you that one of my vivid memories from this summer is I we went. So my parents live like an hour and a half from Ithaca. That's where I grew up. So I dragged my daughter. We went to visit my parents two years and we, I wanted to take her to see the campus. And I promised her we could go hiking in the, go basically swimming, you know, the waterfalls, the gorges. What is it? Like, uh, Truman state. Yeah. There's the, there's buttermilk, buttermilk falls and like Harry Truman state park. I think it's Harry Truman. So, uh, we drive an hour and a half and we get there and we go to the first one and they're doing like construction on the falls, like the bottom of it where the water pools. And so I said, okay, we'll try the other one. So we'd already like paid our fee and, you know, done this. So we go to the other one, same thing. So I say, okay, I'm sorry. We can't, you know, wait around. We can't swim. She's 10. So I said, we're, we'll just go for a hike. She refuses. She refuses to hike because she wasn't there to hike. She was there to like, you know, swim the falls. I was so so mad at her for like, I'm here and I want to hike. And she wouldn't do it. We had like a standoff in the parking lot. (laughs) So no hiking for me. She won. Wonder who raised you? How did this happen? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Nature, nurture, what? I don't know. She certainly ha- is opinionated. Anyway, well, why don't we use the Ithaca transition to talk about like your origin as an attorney? And now here you are. So can I talk about your background a little bit? Although I was looking at your LinkedIn. The, the attorney thing didn't last for a long time. Um, yeah, only about nine years. Right. <laughs> but then you're like off onto passion, things that are clearly more passionate for you than than being an attorney. Although you still do legal work. I know that. But anyway, I always think it's an interesting, people love to hear like, well, I thought I was going to do this in life. And he, here's what I do now. So tell us like early Michelle, what was the, and, and wind us into why you needed a co-working space that opened in March of 2020. January 2020, exactly. January of 2020. You you had like a minute of (laughs) thrill to be open. And then the world fell apart. And we're having this conversation. This is a different Mm -hmm. conversation. That's what I told. Yes, we should. I was always like, Michelle, you would be such a good podcast guest. Let's wait until you've recovered from opening in March of 20, January of 2020. Sorry. Okay. So, so. Start off on the Michelle story. You're out, right. We said you're outside of Fort Lauderdale today. 
with a co-working space and a digital community, you have such an interesting hybrid of a business that I really want to get into what that looks like. So kind of help us get to the story of how you got to where you are today. Absolutely. Well, I'm really excited to be here because your podcast and you saved my patootie. And I'm sure we'll get into that in a little while. <laughs> everything co-working is truly everything I needed co-working <laughs> and continues to this day. I binge listen all the time. Um, so the funny thing is, I don't think cats should be the only ones who are allowed to have nine lives. I literally took a 16-year journey to get to law school graduation, right? I graduated and went straight, graduated high school and went straight into the workforce. And by the time I was 22, I had a good government full-time day job, was going to community college at night and I had two kids under two and I was divorced at 22, right? So we continued, (laughs) now it's the three musketeers. We continued to go to community college during the day. The kids were, you know, going to babysitter and in school and having that whole community. And I thought I wanted to go into law school and I wanted to go into policy making and possibly politics. And so fast forward, we went up to Ithaca after about nine years of community college part-time and went to Cornell. We did study abroad and all kinds of cool stuff and internships in Congress and members of parliament in England and all of that because I was so sure I'm going to be a lawyer and I'm going to run for office. And the kids and I walked across the stage when I was 30 and got my undergrad. And then we went on to Penn for law school, lived in Philly. And like I said, it, so it was really the 16-year odyssey. I, my hard stop was I had to be finished with all schooling so that the kids and I could be back in time for my son, who's my eldest, to have his first year of high school. I did not want to move them once we started high school. And so we graduated <laughs> law school. He started high school. My daughter was still in junior high. And I went into corporate practice in Washington, D.C., And I did that for a while, a number of years, and realized, oh, this is really not well suited to who I want to be in the world. And there were so many great lessons I learned along the journey. I have no regrets. I love practicing corporate law. I didn't even take evidence because I knew I didn't want to be in a courtroom. And I love interacting with people. And so it was actually the quote unquote rainmaking that I was out networking and doing that. I was like, I love this. And the partners were like, but you're not supposed to be doing that. Right. <laughs> in that office. Get behind the desk. Exactly. Right. Folders, right. paperwork. Yeah. Exactly. So right around the time when my oldest was graduating high school, I was like, well, what else can I do? And I co-authored a book on online dating. Right. So I guess. We're- I saw that. I had. That's the funny thing. I was like. I mean, I didn't know any of this. This is so <laughs> fascinating. Yes. And the reason why this now ties all the way to co-working is because we co-authored and self-published. We needed to figure out a way in 2011 to market. And so we hit Twitter, right? Where else are you going to be in 2011 when you need to do social media marketing and nobody knows what the heck yep. social media marketing is? And I fell in love with social media and we got um, Ebony Magazine. It's a huge magazine, huge publication mm-hmm. with a lot of history. And there, one of their editors came in my inbox and said, can we feature you? And from that- They on, found you on Twitter? They found us on Twitter from me just kind of bouncing around talking about online dating when you're in your 40s and after divorce and with kids and how to stay safe. And we started talking all over the country. And so we, I would say a social media maven was born. 
And from that point in 2011, I was like, whoa, I love this. And in 2012, I left and started working with the NFL and other people to help them with their social media presence. The whole time, because I'm on social media. Because that was still like the wild, wild west, right? Back then. Yeah, it was really insane. And I tried to help lawyers. Yeah, right. I tried to help <laughs> lawyers use social media. They were like, she's a witch. What is she talking about? Get her out of here. She doesn't understand. We can't. This is unauthorized practice of law. And they shut me Right, out. right. I can oh, picture all the, yeah. Oh, it was crazy. But I was like, oh my God, I can help you guys. I can, re- this is my niche. I have the legal education. I have the social media right, prowess. Right. Do this. They were like, get out. So I did. And what happened is that I <laughs> took this journey through tech and co-working spaces. I started working out of a place called 1776 in Washington, D.C. Oh, yeah. Yep. That was 2013. I was in like lean startup competitions. So, again, it's this really circuitous route, but everything was paving the way to where I am today. And so we won a lean startup competition and just the whole time. I was oversharing, if you want to call it that, on social media. And so women started coming into my inbox saying, Michelle, how did you get this opportunity to be with Jeff Bezos in a room? Like, that's really rarefied air. How'd you do that? And you took us along with you. How can I do that? How can I have these conversations? How can I have access? And because I had the blogging background, the podcasting background, the social media background, I launched the Her Power Hustle podcast in 2015. Moved here to South Florida in 20. Also early for podcasts. You are an early adopter of all media. <laughs> my, my first podcast was in 2009. And um, again, sometimes it is very lonely to sort of be at the forefront of different technology. Yeah. And with, with co-working, um, it made sense for me to open her power space more so as an event venue. Right. That's how we got here, because I was hosting events online and in person with women entrepreneurs and launched a chapter of my community for women. Her power moves. And then we had a second chapter and a third chapter. And I've always been able to stay connected with people online. But I love the in-person experience and the women were thriving. And so I said, well, let's open a space for us because I'm tired of trying to find a restaurant or someplace else owned by a woman to host our events every month. And that's how her power. So I'll do it myself right before COVID starts. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If I had a hotline about the COVID experience, this place would not exist. This was my first brick and mortar business. Like uh, who would do that? Who does that? Who does that? Who opens their own? Most people in the digital space don't. Right. So I think, so Walk me through, yeah, what was the what was the vision of kind of the physical digital overlap? Absolutely. It's when you key. started and didn't know COVID was around the corner. <laughs> you know, we had this community of almost 2,000 women online through the different platforms um, who were all focused on entrepreneurship. And so I was giving workshops and, and, and hosting events and sharing resources and connecting them to each other. And that made a lot of sense. And then when we were in person, we'd say, okay, this is our in-person connections. You make these connections in person, but you continue to nurture them online. 
Right. So the thought was that her power space would be a place for not just our events, but because there are so many other events that are always happening from pop up shops. Pop up shops are huge down here in South Florida for solopreneurs and small business owners who don't have the marketing chops or access to marketing resources. And they get to sell their goods when someone else markets the event. Right. So I was like, okay, we can do pop up shops. We can host events. We can have women's empowerment events and we can have her power moves. Oh, yeah. And I'll do mail and stuff like that, too. Like, (laughs) (laughs) we were so bad. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, if you look at the photos of your site, uh, they speak volumes around kind of what you were doing in the space. You can tell, like, the vibe, the connection, just they're fantastic photos that captured what was happening right before that was all shut down. Yeah. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, three behind the scenes secrets to opening a co-working space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour and includes some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner-operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path. So the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them, depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. So, so that was the, so talk about the space and how you set it up to accomplish those goals. Cause it's a, it matches those goals, not a typical co-working space setup. Exactly. And you know, we are 1,062 square feet. We have two private offices, one conference room and one large open area that could be co-working. It's flex, right? For events and things like that. And then we have a gorgeous courtyard with a fountain right outside. I made sure the Wi-Fi reached. Like I was really thinking aesthetically about how can events happen here. And (laughs) so I didn't listen to everything co-working podcast prior to 2021, 2020. And so, right. But I think, but that's totally fair because I think that's what we, you know, when we first connected, I was like, okay, I get what you're doing. 
it doesn't right match the traditional co-working advice of you need a bigger space, you need offices. You're like, yeah, that's not what I'm doing. Right, totally. And you wanted everything to, you're like, my people need space to do their things. I need them to be able to book it when they want to book it. Exactly. (laughs) So everyone who I spoke with, because we were calling it a co-working space, everyone who I spoke with said, your doors are going to close within the first two months. What do you mean you don't have a membership requirement? Right. So. Oh, that's right. You had no. (laughs) Right. Right, right, right. I remember this now. Right. Michelle, you need recurring revenue. Recurring. Recurring revenue. (laughs) Right. Like even in e-commerce, they're like, you know, you don't even do that there. But, you know, creating subscriptions and things like that. I came from that world, but I just knew that the one-off events. Digitally. Right. Right. Totally. Yeah. This hybrid where people pay, people pay to attend. Let's be clear. People pay to attend all of the events. Right. So there is revenue that's being generated. It's just a predictability of it. I knew it would be recurring, um, but COVID had other plans. So the space was to be used as a place to create art for content creators, podcasters. We have the green screens, the ring lights, all of those things. Right. And we've had everything from, you know, firearm safety classes. This is in person, firearm safety classes to nail tech and braiding classes and doula classes, all with the babies in the whole nine. Right. And so I knew that our community needed a place, a physical space to come together. It's just that 2020 and 2021 had a little bit of other plans, but we were able to continue the relationships and host hybrid events and totally online events. But I would always be in the space. So I was always marketing the space. Like right now, I'm sitting in yeah. my space, not a virtual. Right. Right. So, um, you know, it was really keeping the, the space top of mind, even if you can't come in, you know, just know that we're here. We have do not disturb signs that people took home, said I can't get to her power space, but I'm still building my empire. Um, so we stay top of mind and people just continue to support us, but also to transact with us in terms of business. So the vision for the space was to be used by the community and for us, and it kind of morphed into more co-working and still having that online relationship building. So your Women Forward, obviously the name, I have seen men in your space when we've been on the phone before, men welcoming, and I've seen men in your photos too. Um, And you have a podcast studio. Yes. Tell me, so um, is 2022 still like a transition time? Like how is the space being used now? And is that the ultimate sort of vision or is that still evolving? Ooh, 2022 is really interesting because, you know, the reality is, as I said, the people were saying every co-working space owner I spoke with said, Michelle, there's no way your business will stay open if you don't have a monthly membership requirement. But the reality <laughs> is their businesses, honestly, a lot of them went out of business because their communities could not afford the monthly overhead and not coming into the office. I had the reverse. So people were paying us to come in one or two at a time and still stay safe because we could still be open once our mandates were lifted. So with that in mind, our space is really still a co-working space. And now we have more people saying, I really love the vibe here. Can we have a dedicated office? 
<laughs> so now we have the conference room is dedicated a few days a week and this office and now people are in my office and we are looking to expand so that we have more dedicated office space. So that advice I received was correct for a traditional co-working model. It's just that we ended up creating this really beautiful um, model of pay as you go a la carte. And oh, yes, if I can afford it, I want to be here. And now we're making it possible for people who can afford it to come get dedicated space with us. Yeah. So, I mean, even before COVID, you wanted a place that was accessible to your community, which didn't mean full-time membership. That was always important to you. And I think Mm -hmm. through COVID, there's been a lot of sort of rethinking because ideally in co-working, it's commit, 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 be a member, be a full-time member, because from an operator standpoint, that's how we sleep better at night, right? But you're finding that that flexible approach is working for your community. And it's also like kind of the mindset a lot of folks are in today. If they don't, you know, need, they want the on-demand space, they want to do it when they need it. Um, so I'm. can you mention too, you, uh, I think you were sort of try, trying to, you know, pull in revenue sources while you couldn't be open for events and you started a mail program, which I think a struggle for small spaces because you're not there all the time. So managing, but can you just, for anybody who's listening, who doesn't have a mail program or has a small fate space, but isn't staffed all the time, we just, just to help them kind of learn, will you just talk about your experience with the, the mail program? Sure. Um, actually, we have what we call drop-in hours. So Monday through Friday, pretty much noon to six, we are available for people to come in and pick up their mail. All other times are on demand by reservation, by booking. And so someone can call me at 545 and say, hey, Michelle, is it possible for me to get my mail at 615? And we will stay open for them because we're community forward. Um, But giving people set times to pick up their mail, they have no problem coming in during those times. Our focus is uh, micro-business owners and a lot of solopreneurs and side hustlers, right? So these are a lot of people who work, you know, nine to five on their day job and all other times on their daydream. And so we're here for them. They come in on Saturdays if we have events. So the mail program created an opportunity for people who had been using post office boxes and using their home address and not even realizing, hey, Google My Business isn't actually something I can do to to move my business forward. Um, And so having this space, even though our hours, our drop-in hours are 12 to to 6, people still utilize the space. And we have hundreds of people now in our mail system, both directly with us and through third-party resources. I feel like I just recorded another podcast to talk about automated co-working spaces that have ambassadors, but not staff. And we were talking about how COVID has really like there, there's been sort of a, this is how co-working is done. You have to be staffed full time. If you have mail, you have to have somebody there all the time. And you've just said like, look, I'm going to do it differently and it's working. And I know you've mentioned like you're really solving a problem for some of the folks in your community. I remember you saying, oh, this guy, you know, walked across from the other office and he he needed a mail address for, you know, whatever, because you were still learning, like, why do people need addresses? But it's been a benefit to your members and it maybe it doesn't fit with sort of the bigger vision of what you're trying to accomplish, but it is a consistent revenue stream, which we like, right? We love it. Yeah. Okay, so, 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say the guy who you talked about, he went to another third party source at a, a different location. We happened to also be listed on that site and he realized we were in his community. Right. When he went to that other location, <laughs> oh, they were manned, but they wouldn't let him sign up on the spot. They told him, oh. no, you can't sign up on the spot. You have to go on the, on the web. And he said, I just want to be able to hand you my credit card. And he walked in here and said, can I hand you my credit card? I said, you absolutely can. <laughs> I'll take your credit he card. Three <laughs> different accounts. In the course of three weeks, three accounts, he, he renews every single six months. Too funny. I love right. it. Um, okay. So one of the things that I think is really interesting about your model is that you know, you're really a community audience builder. I think this is a mindset that is a little bit foreign to a lot of folks who operate brick and mortar, right? Physical spaces. So you're an amazing email marketer. You had a podcast, like you are, you're building an audience digitally and you have other things that you do that aren't specific to the space, but that overlap with the space that feed the space. Can you just kind of talk about, you know, how did you become such a, like, where did the audience building come from? And then in particular, I think the email marketing that you do is phenomenal. I read Michelle's emails on her list and I'm just like, wow, this girl knows how to write and you're super engaging. And it's not always just about the space, but I'm sure some of the things you're doing overlap with the space and also sort of fit into your broader business model. So I just would love to have you share kind of that. How did you build that? How did you get good at it? And how do you see it benefiting your business? Sure, absolutely. Well, let's start with the email marketing. Um, it, it came about because when I was trying to figure out what I would do instead of practice law, real estate was really appealing to me. But because I seem to have the timing of the worst person's timing on the planet, it was around 2005 when I decided, oh, let's do residential real estate, right? Which was right, of, not, like, not, not soon before the first. And in that time, though, working with my mentor in residential real estate, I had the opportunity to work under a gentleman by the name of Dean Jackson. Dean Jackson is like the grandfather of email marketing. And so I was sitting in a room with him, not realizing that I was sitting with the godfather of email marketing then, right, 20 years ago. But he taught us to think very differently about how to engage potential buyers and sellers. And so I took those lessons and have just continued to educate myself with other training and then just implementing them. A lot of people teach you how to build a list, but they don't teach you how to create a community with your list and actually nurture the list. And so I've spent ever since then, so the last 16 years, understanding what it means to have an email list and how to communicate with people to help you further your business goals by helping them get the goals achieved that they want. So that's that's my entire ethos behind email marketing. And one of the things about having this super circuitous route to where I sit today and who knows where I'll be five years from now, I mean, I have an idea, but who knows, um, you know, is that I was on the sort of leading edge of a lot of different spaces and technologies and audiences and opportunities. And that beat the heck out of me. And so it made me tougher 
for now and to be able to survive now and to think on my feet and to pull from different areas. All the arrows in my quill are all so different because of all these different experiences that they fold together really beautifully. So yeah, email marketing and online and social media and our local store and chamber of commerce calling me during COVID to say, hey, we know you know how to use Zoom. Will you do Zoom workshops for us? literally enabled me to get also additional revenue to keep us alive. Yeah. Right. So there's something to be said. But you were doing workshops. Who else were you doing workshops for? Score, um, uh, Chamber of Commerce here and some other, a bunch of other folks, um, NASDAQ and yeah, NASDAQ, Entrepreneur Center, Cornell. Yeah. Lots of workshops, lots of online things, because that's a language that I speak. We were back in the space in May with our very first online summit that was six hours long to help micro business owners understand how do I get money if the PPP is bankrupt? And so that's the other part of it. Yeah. I have the technical skills to podcast and have a ring light and and get on zoom most of the time. Um, But I also have a heart for our community and I've been a part of this community for so long that I understand what our needs are. And so when people gave me the really great advice of, Michelle, you're going to go out of business if you don't have a recurring revenue stream, I understood enough to know that my folks can't afford nor do they want to pay that even without a pandemic. And so I think that's been the route is just understanding what my community wants, being very focused on my community and yeah, we have loads of men. The first person to sign up for the space was a man. He signed up for six months. That. He's still here. He <laughs> reups every six months. Our very first Her Power Space uh, community member was a guy, right? So, and we have loads of guys. And that's the other piece, I think, with marketing in any way, shape, or form is you you have your avatar, your persona, your target market, whatever you want to call it. And anyone else who feels like, but that resonates with me too, don't push them away. Welcome them. Yeah. Right. So we do have some spaces that are women only. Some of our events are very much. This is a sacred space for women. The guys don't care. And then we have co-ed events. And then the guys host their own events. Men have hosted men only events here. And they're like, Michelle, are you listening? Nope. Not at all. Do you guys want a guy concierge to come in for you? Because I understand sacred spaces. I'm very much a black woman, right? So I bring all of who I am to the table. And when you show up authentically, it resonates with everyone. Yeah. You know, we have a big dude came in from Missouri, drove across the country. He signed up from Missouri because he found us on Google. He's like, and I have video of him saying, because in the space, you were the highest rated co-working space in your area. And I knew we were coming to Snowboard, Snowbird and do business. And I and he's still here. And he's like, I'm going to be here for a year. He just signed up. He's staying. So, so um, I would like to give you a high five for your Google reviews because yeah. you totally took the approach of you could have gone through 2020 and 2021 with none. Right. Which yeah. is a, what a lot of people did. And you took that really seriously. I whatever typed into Google to pull up your website. And I was like, Whoop, look, there she goes. Look at all those five stars. <laughs> And it matters, right? So yes, you're, wait, so that was a little sidetrack. Back to the email marketing. I think (laughs) your point about being authentic, you just said like, I bring my, you know, I bring my whole self into everything that I do. And that's what comes through, I think, with your emails. How can someone, if you were to give somebody advice, how do they learn that? How do they practice it? What should be their mindset? 
And if you want to peek at Michelle, we don't want to load up your email list with accounts that are, you know, potential members, but the, your emails are amazing. And I think great models for what, um, what are like just a real authentic relationship can look like digitally. So anyway, if someone wants to get better at that, yeah. You, any advice? Yes. Number one, yes, be authentic, whatever that authentic voice is for you. Right. And, right. It's and not necessarily Michelle's voice. You might all, get Michelle's no. email. Like, be no, like, my kids Whoa. are even like, Whoa. my mother's crazy. <laughs> She's authentically over there. No. Um, but, 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 but be you and be okay. I am a weirdo and I'm really goofy and I'm also very serious and yes, highly educated. And all of these things fit into who I am and make up who I am. Um, be you, whoever you is. And when you figured that out, Start showing up in the world as that unapologetically, and you will attract your tribe. I do believe that your vibe attracts your tribe. It sounds really trite, but it is very true because when you are uncomfortable, people are uncomfortable around you. And when you are trying to be something mm. you're not, you're uncomfortable, and people just look at you like, there's something off. Like, I really want to like him, but there's something off. And it's literally just your discomfort, right? So, I work with introverts a lot. And when it comes to even email marketing or showing up in someone's inbox, introverts struggle with this as well, even if it's not a face-to-face communication. And so what I like to say is find something that you have in common with the people who you want to connect with. Not in, in an effusive kind of, oh, I'm just kind of pandering way, but in a really, really legitimate, like authentic way what is it about you? I reached out to Jamie because Jamie's podcast resonated with me in a time when I was in a puddle on the floor, just binging and listening. Oh my God, she has a flight group. Can you please take me in? Right? I have cried so much with Jamie because Jamie showed up authentically and said, I care about our co-working community. How can I help? And she meant it. So that's the second piece. You can't also hide behind the, the emails. You have to be who you say you are. So however you show up in the world, whatever social media platform you care to be on, whatever you do to drive people to your site, make sure that you're driving them there for a reason that aligns with number one, who you are authentically, but then who you want to be in the business world. Because sending people my way for pet grooming is pointless. I can build this for pet grooming, but I don't have anything to sell them. I don't have any more value to give them. So bring people in because you have value. And the thing that I'm working on the most now, which I'm actually having a blast with, is called segmentation. Segment mm. so that you tell people about the things they care about the most. But that takes work. And But if you do it on the back end, so if your list is already kind of not, not as large as you want it to be, put the levers and the pulleys in place now so that people funnel right into yes. where you want them to go. <laughs> So that when you talk to them, you can say, hey, I saw you on the Her Power Space website. How can I help you? What kind of business needs do you have? And then you can automate that. So it's still your voice. Just because it's getting sent automatically doesn't make it any less authentic. So use your authentic voice. Really connect with people based on things that you might find in them that you admire or connect with legitimately and authentically. And then bring people in both based on your persona and your personality, but also based on what value you have to give if you are doing this for business. 
all those people who gave me that advice, I wasn't I wasn't issuing their advice because I don't want the money. I was issuing their advice because I believe there was another way to earn the money. And it might have been a slower way, but it was going to have a longer tail. And someone walked in here last week and was like, I've been watching you for two years. I've been waiting to come in. And she walked in and she's ready. And she's, she's like now she's in the community. Right. So you can't wait for two years for your funnel to fill up. So you have to kind of continue to have those conversations at different points so that you make money, authentically connect and add value. Mic drop, <laughs> Michelle. Okay. Yeah. We need to have you teach an email marketing class. I think we'll talk about it. that some other time, it. but <laughs> in it, but it's, it's, you know, I think it's challenging for folks and everything you just went through is years of you learning and getting better and practicing and putting yourself out there. Okay. So let's talk about the other kind of aspects of your model. Um, the Unchamber, the sales course you have, which I was like, Oh, I think I need to sign up for this. I love the sample video of whatever less day 17. I was like, I don't have a byline. I need, I need all 30 days. <laughs> okay. Anyway, talk about the Unchamber. I think this is a super interesting model and it fits, it, it overlaps the, the digital physical also. Sure. The concept of Un, right? You put the Un on the front of anything and it means I'm doing the total opposite of whatever they're doing over there. So we have Un Networking and Her Power Moves, which is a really rapid fire way for people to connect without telling you their entire life story and droning on, but really making authentic connections that are deep, right? And the other thing is Unchamber. So before opening Her Power Space and really understanding our business community, I was here for five years and very much part of the business community going to loads of, we have so many chambers down here. We have chambers both based on affinity groups. So women, black, black chamber, countywide, you know, all kinds of things. And every time I would show up, I would feel like these are not my people. This is not an understanding of the way that e-commerce folks do business. Micro business owners, why is everything at 8 a.m. or noon? Don't you know some people work nine to five and then work the rest of the time on their businesses? So the Unchamber, once I had her power space up and running, the Unchamber was an answer to that. It's sort of if you don't feel like you fit in a place where you're sort of just kind of pressing business cards into palms, come. We have an educational component. We meet once a month twice that day. So we have a noon workshop that's virtual and we have a 6 p.m. workshop that's a hybrid in the space and online. And it is also a subscription member model so that everyone can see, yes, we like recurring <laughs> recurring revenue. <laughs> so I said I knew how to do it. I just said I was doing it differently. Yes. <laughs> <All right. laughs> exactly. No, I love that. Yes, exactly. You're doing it your way. Of the Unchamber, we let the um, workshops go out for free to the public for 24 hours, and then they go in the vault and are a lifetime access. So creating opportunities for women and men to show up and get the information and the resources they need, right? I always say we're a brick and mortar business, right? The bricks hold up the business. The mortar are the people. That's the community. And so the Unchamber provides opportunity to get access to resources and information and connect with others. Right. We have an online directory that's being built out as I speak. I'm super excited about that. And we have different groups. We have a book club. We have the. Oh, my gosh. I saw it. Wait, was it on your website or your 
social, the number of like minutes that your book club oh, has or something. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, we're over a few thousand minutes now um, because of how much listen and read time and pages, et cetera. Yeah. And it's super exciting. And again, that has no cost. Right. So it's yeah. this way of ensuring that we have people feel connected and meet them where they are. And then we funnel them, for lack of a better term, it's a business term, right? We funnel them into the resources that they need. And then when they're ready to pay, they will. Or maybe they'll find out, guess what? I actually just want to keep this a hobby, right? And that's okay, too. But they know that they're safe here and they know that we're pulling for them and rooting for them and that they have a place where they can get what they need and not get gouged financially. So the end chamber. Well, it serves a couple of purposes. It's part of your business model and it gener- it's a subscription membership um, and it gets folks into the space. So it's kind of a lead gen. Do exactly. you see people converting or too soon to tell or what do you think will happen with that? Um, it's a mixed bag. I see people coming from various places and converting to membership in the Unchamber. Most of them are still more so online. But what I do see are that folks who sign up for mail then end up joining the Unchamber. So mm. it's, it's, it's mm. really interesting. I think almost everything in the space feeds into something else because people yeah. walk in because they're coming to be a guest at someone else's event. And they go, oh, my gosh, but I do pop ups. Can I get your card? So uh, it's really beautiful how things kind of bounce around and you kind of have enough services. And we're hiring. Oh, my God, we're hiring our first person. And this is a blessing. So that is also a big part of it, because it is a lot of my focus um, is building the space, the community aspect and keeping the doors open on the building. Can you talk about um, the you have a grant to hire a community manager? And I see this happening uh, with some Canadians who have had this. I think it's a Canadian thing, sort of, I don't know, economic development, small business support that have leveraged that for community manager resources, which is awesome. So it sounds like you are going to do that. I saw that beautiful video with all the people who won that. It was lovely. I was so glad you sent that. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. So we received our first financial grant. Um, I'll put a pin in it just for a second. We were one of the first people selected for a Comcast Rise grant, which is uh, was our pro- provider of Wi-Fi. And as Jamie knows, my Wi-Fi bill was actually one third of our rent. And Jamie was like, Michelle, do you really need all of that? And I thought I did. Right? And I'm like, that's what I'm supposed to have, right? Um, so I say that to say that there are grants out there, both in kind and economic, and not having to pay that Wi-Fi bill for all of 2021 saved our, our butts, truly saved us, right? And so that was a real blessing. So the economic version is that we just were awarded at Hello Alice Small business growth fund grant for $5,000, which will really help us with a part-time person to come in and be, I'm calling it a community concierge with a community manager, right? And the blessing is that now that we have those funds, I've been able to find other funds locally to help pay for training of the person and also offset some of their salary. So the goal being that by leveraging these grant funds, 
I can step out of the space a little bit more to focus on additional revenue generating yeah. opportunities, right? Because I'm figuring out KPIs and doing performance and all this stuff. But we also need to find another space to move into so that we can have dedicated offices. Because these last two months, right, if you want to talk numbers, these last two months of having dedicated spaces out of the spaces that were not meant to be dedicated has actually boosted our income each month by 25%. And that's just two spaces a few days. Yeah. Right. So it matters if you would like a model that obviously suits the needs. People are coming to us and saying they want it. So it wasn't the original intent, but it's sort of putting together what people need and then giving it to them for a fee. I like that. That's what business is. (laughs) So, Michelle, what does your ideal space look like? Um, Yeah. What's the setup? Who does it serve? Absolutely. If if you if you could wave a wand, oh gosh, what yeah. would the next one look like? Our, oh yeah, we would definitely have a really great content creation space. We would have spaces both indoor and outdoor for the opportunities for pop up shops, dedicated offices, conference rooms, and to be able to have things at a pricing level that um, that enables people who have the you know the the co-working model to participate at a discounted rate and still keep our a la carte options available. So that's all. I I think I would make the space bigger and increase staff and amenities. That's it. And basically I turned myself into a co-working space, Jamie, but still have a community activity. That is key. That is why we are still alive. Otherwise we would just be another co-working space that just happened to be the first one in our county. Owned by a black woman. There you are. Right. (laughs) So Michelle, we you just shared kind of what the next space would look like if you could wave a magic wand. And it sounds like what you thought would work mostly worked, and that you would just expand on it. Um, maybe some more dedicated desks to kind of serve as an an anchor membership so that you can do all of the a la carte and on-demand things that you want to do. So knowing that the last couple of years have been really challenging outside of normal co-working challenges, but I, I am curious, are there a couple of things if someone was getting started and thinking about a smaller space, like what you've been doing, any couple of nuggets of like, things that you've learned that, okay, if I was going to do this again, I'd do this or, um, I don't know, any, any watch outs. I always love people who are kind of still fresh to get their, their advice for others that are listening. Yeah. I am super fresh. Right. I feel like I'm (laughs) such a baby. I'm in the, an open wound. You are no, (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I hear a lot from folks who opened in early 2020 and it's, yeah. I think it's really scab- hard to start a business and we're it's, scab- yeah, it's, yeah. you're totally scab, we're right. Scab- you're scabbed over, scab- but it's still, mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's still there and we don't want to sit in water too long. So right. I think that for me, it's really important that you get um, a really good understanding of your community that you want to serve to ensure that they want what you planning to provide, but also can afford whatever that looks like. So if it's a low price, then you want to scale it in a way that you have enough people. 
And I'm a corporate lawyer. I have worked on multi-million dollar deals and still did not have the proper performer in place, right? Proper is in quotes because it's really, I didn't have a performer. It was very back of the envelope. Well, I think if we do this, 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 we're good. Rent's paid, right? And so I think that there is a piece of this that when you begin to realize that this is something that, yes, I offer this, but it can also scale. So I just hit a moment and said to my mentor yesterday that if I don't hire, we will stagnate and we may die. And you have to understand that when you start something small, if you don't want it to get big, just know that you have to pick where it stops. And then what does that look like? If you're not growing, are you dying? Are you plateauing? And are you okay? If you are okay there, that's totally fine. But just understand what that means. And I didn't have a real picture of growth. And so I would say, really think through, like Jamie just asked me, if you could wave a magic wand before opening your doors, whatever size you are, if you can wave a magic wand, what would that look like? And it may change along the way, but think bigger. (laughs) I guess that's the bottom line. I didn't think big enough. And my community was like, oh, you're just only going to give us this? No, we need all of this too, right? And you know how to deliver it, Michelle. So I would say you can start small, but understand where it could go if it grows and then determine if you want it to grow. And if you don't, how will you stay afloat and continue to have money coming in in the way that you want it to? But I believe that if I stop now, we'll actually die because I have to turn away too many people and people will start saying, well, then I'll just do my mail and my other thing here, right? So we have to serve that need. Um, Yeah, and some of the needs came about as time progressed for me. Um, I think that's with a lot of people. So I don't know how helpful that is as advice, but that's what I've learned in the last two years. Um, My my vision wasn't big enough. I had a really good idea and and knowledge of my market, but I was open and am still open to it being different. Because who knows in the next five years, to your point. I think that's super helpful perspective because you can... It's you can't you can't feel what it feels like to be two years in until you're two years in, right? So being able to get inside someone's head, yeah. Um, not everyone will have the same experience, but it's helpful to to peek it. I think that's what everybody, every business owner wants wants to know, right? Is um, and one of my coaches, you know, she would ask the question, "How would you do this if you knew it was going to be successful?" Because sometimes it's a fear and a doubt, right? So how would you do this if you knew it was going to be successful? And if I could share something personally that I know that Jamie wouldn't ask me, um, I'm going to share it, though, because it's my personal business. And I think that if you're listening and you've listened this long, then you understand Scrappy. Mm -hmm. And I was blessed to find Jamie, um, you know, when we were very, very in a very tough position. And I spoke with Jamie, asked Jamie, could I be in her community? We were ready for me to get started. And three days later, the landlord walked in with a notice to vacate. And I had never gotten one of those before. And I freaked out. And Jamie got back on the phone with me. She helped me. She 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 got me where I needed to be. Obviously, we're still here and it's over a year later now. And I'm so thankful. 
But the other piece of that is community matters. And as community manager operators, we tend to build communities for others. And we really need to ensure that we have the right community around us as well as we're going through this. I have never talked about our eviction notice publicly before. This is the community where I feel safe sharing that information. And I know that regardless of where you are on your journey, you understand that there are going to be bumps and hiccups along the way. Please, please, please stay connected, whether it's through everything co-working and all of Flight Group and other opportunities or whoever you have locally. It is important because this is the hardest thing that you will probably ever do in your life. And I'm a mom and I lost school as a mom. Like I've done some hard crap. This is hard. Okay. And if you don't have people around you who you can trust, who can give you perspective, Jamie's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people who get those. I'm like, they are. And that just really right. You have to normalize this stuff, right? right? Yeah, right? and it can only mm-hmm. be normalized if you're around people who are ahead of yeah. you. And we're always the leaders. You have to be around people who can help you level up. And so, Jamie, I thank you. I thank you privately. I want to thank you publicly because you. We're still here because you helped me. Number one, not lose my mind. I can't work if I can't think, and I'm freaked out. And then you said these are the things that you can do. Go back to your landlord and say this, that, and the other, right? And then get out there and get more stuff, get more money. Where else <laughs> monetize? People are in your office. even in your office. Run out your office, right? And so you need that. That's what you need. So, Jamie, thank you. I want to take this moment publicly to say, you know, to encourage anybody who's going through tough times and to understand the importance of community wherever you find it. And then to do what they actually tell you to do. Like, I didn't listen to people at the beginning, and I'm glad I didn't. But I'm also glad I listened to Jamie when it was time to listen to someone, right? There's a balance to that. We are better together because I get the same inspiration from each of you. I mean, I was just sitting here listening to you and thinking how inspiring you are and how much I can learn from you. So it goes both ways, but thank you. Thank you. And thank you for sharing your story and for being vulnerable and for being inspiring and a model um, for so many things that you're doing really well. But to your point, right, even when we're doing things really well, we can still have hard times and we need each other for that. So growth mindset. Yeah. Yay. Totally. Keep Keep yes. Learning. Keep learning, keep at it and stay, stay with your people. So thank you, Michelle, for taking the time today to do this and share your story and share your journey, which is just getting started. So I can't wait to have you back on and see where you are in another two years. Look so out. Awesome. That is so yeah. awesome. Jamie, thank you for this community. and Thank you for sharing the nuts and bolts, as well as the anecdotal information that we need to inspire us to keep going. Right. I literally download forms off of your site and, and the job description. I was like highlighting stuff from the everything co-working <laughs> job description compilation. Right. This is really important that we have that mixture. So thank you so much for creating this space and your consistency with doing it. This is not an easy endeavor to keep up with. Thank from you. from one podcast host to another. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Agreed. But it matters. And it's my my way of connecting. So thank you, Michelle. Until next time. For sure. Thank you. Hope this helps someone. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. 
It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And we started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. You can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.